Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Having not found a worthy opponent anywhere in his own universe, Saitama, the One Punch Man, finds a portal to travel the multiverse in search of a soul who can stand up to him. Arriving on an arid planet, thrust into war, Saitama shrugged and walked his way through the many battles to find a matchup. It is then that he gazed upon a gauntlet filled with powerful-looking gems, and the even more remarkable warlord bearing it. Saitama took a short breath and thought to himself, here's hoping this time, as he slowly walked up to Thanos himself. It's the Hero for Fun versus the Mad Titan. It's Sit-Ups versus Infinity Gems. It's One Punch Man versus Thanos. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Today's matchup pits two of the ultimate combatants from their respective universes. In one corner, you have One Punch Man, also known as Saitama, an extraordinarily powerful hero who can defeat any adversary, evidently with a single punch. And in the other corner, you have Thanos, the mad titan obsessed with balancing the universe's population. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And this matchup has been insanely debated for years, but never before has it ever come to a clear decision decision until today that is Ray what are your thoughts in today's matchup I'm interested in today's battle we've been wanting to use one punch man on the show nearly as long as we've had a show and the question has always just been who can possibly stand up to a a joke character from anime whose entire thing is he wins every fight super easily you can attest to this James in the boardroom we've gone back and forth over character after character after character and it's just like no one would buy that character in this matchup. So that leads me, and that led us, to the character of Thanos, obviously with the Infinity Gauntlet. This is a character who has every single dirty trick in the entire book possible. This is the character who might find a way, especially if I'm the one piloting the ship, 
to finally bring down the awesome power of the One Punch Man. Look, it's been a tricky season, to say the least. We've had weird things happen, weird matchups. Uh, you've had a great season so far, but even you've disagreed with a lot of what the judges had to say. I somehow won five matches in a row. And by the way, as much as I'd love to say, yeah, I knew it was happening or it was going to happen this season, I had no clue. It completely caught me by surprise. This has been the strangest season of the Who Would Win show ever by far, which leads us to today's episode. Of course, you've got One Punch Man, a character who I love. The anime is awesome, at least the first season, second season, eh, hopefully third season's better, but with the manga as well being incredible. And again, when you have Thanos, the only thing I disagree with, with Ray here in the board, is the usage of the Infinity Gauntlet with the Infinity Stones. Not really sure that's something he has all the time. In fact, I know he doesn't have it all the time, but we're going to see how that plays in today. Because with a crazy season, you need that adult in the room. I've mentioned this before. And I went to the boardroom. Ray, you saw me do this. And I said, look, enough of the craziness. We need a judge for today's episode that Ray and I kind of at least both will respect to some degree. Someone who has executive power, someone who can do what needs to be done, has given Ray some wins and losses, given me some wins and losses. But regardless of what happens, they stick by their decisions absolutely 100%. So without further ado, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's the host of the Breakfast Podcast with Brent Pope. It's the executive VP of Who Would Win. Oh, yeah, it's the person who can fire both Ray Sikinas and myself, if he so chooses, it's the one and only Brent Pope. Brent, welcome back to Who Would Win. Hey, guys, uh, I did have to say, start off, you're both fired. Damn it. Oh, man, it happened. <laughs> I felt it. Oh, man, it felt good to just try it out and just, like, uh, see how that felt. It felt pretty good, actually. Yeah. Felt natural, felt like something that might be done, but not right now, because you know what? I feel like this has been one of the greatest seasons of who would win in the history of the who would win show. That's what I think. Uh, and it seems like from the, all the reactions I've been seeing online, people agree with me. So uh, thank you for having me. Uh, although, you know, as you know, you have no choice. That, that's true. This is the one time though, however, you weren't kind of forced upon us in the, uh, in the show. This is when I, I was like, okay, enough. I really don't know what has been happening this season. You know, the last two episodes, I gave clear reasons why my character could actually take advantage of the weaknesses, the kryptonite of their opponents. And the judges both were like, oh yeah, I forgot to listen to all of that. Here's a victory to Ray. Ray, I know the five wins in a row is something you don't like as well. Brent Pope, executive VP, my hope is for today, you can actually do what needs to be done and judge this down the middle. Ray, how do you feel about having Brent Pope on the show today? I'm always concerned when the executive VP of who would win is on the show. There have been many times that the esteemed Brent Fist Pope has come onto the show and uh, the decision has not been something that I have uh, catered to or appreciated or thought made any sense at all. I am hopeful that this time, at the very least, because this is the only one I'm doing right now, I'm hopeful that this time he will listen to what I have to say, keep an open mind, and really let that imagination pour forth. Now, Brent, you've been extremely busy with a lot of different projects, you know, overseeing the Who Would Win show, the business initiatives, everything that we have going. Other than that, though, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. Well, I, look, I've been on strike. I've been on strike with SAG after. That's been a big thing. Yeah. Uh, now I'm just now I got a bunch of editing to have my editor do on uh, previous breakfast that couldn't be released. Uh, we're starting to have auditions again. And, you know, usually this is a 
seems to be the time of year when I book a bunch of stuff. So we'll see if that happens this year. But yeah, just uh, getting back on track with all the you know official acting things, and I might be working on someone's vampire show pretty soon. You know, that sounds pretty fun. I'm a, actually a big fan of that show. Reclaim Detroit. Are you kidding me? I get to be on that show uh, and not have any interactions with Ray while doing it? That sounds delightful. That's true. That is a fact. I mean, that sounds like the best of both worlds to me. All right, listen, we have the formula for an amazing Who Would Win show yet again. We've got an incredible judge. We've got great opponents that are going head-to-head. Ray is here. I'm here. Let's get this party started. Ray, do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the world of anime. The hero who can defeat anything on Earth except baldness, One Punch Man. And representing Marvel Comics, the conqueror who owns a Power Stone, but somehow not a Sega Dreamcast to play it on, Thanos. I mean, you'd think he could get whatever he wanted, right? You'd think. All the, the accoutrement. All right, well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I have been wondering all freaking week, what version of Thanos will you be using today? I will be using the comic book version of Thanos. Look, the only, I'm facing one punch, man. I got to take the most powerful version of the character that I could possibly find. And boy, oh boy, does Thanos fit that bill. I think that's a smart call, Ray Sikanis. All right, I will also be using the comic book, a.k.a. the manga version of One Punch Man, because if you've got Thanos and possibly the Infinity Stones, you need to bring out all of your big guns right away. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of debate is whoever the judge decides as the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Visit www.whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some great Who Would Win shirts and merch. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's gonna do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Thanos. Thanos is an intergalactic warmonger who killed half the population of the universe to make Mistress Death more into him. He was created by Jim Starlin and Mike Frederick and first appeared in The Invincible Iron Man number 55 back in 1973. An eternal from the first jump, Thanos was born to lead and cause destruction. Possessing superhuman natural abilities and a genius intellect, not to mention, you know, the immortality of being an eternal, the master tactician waged war all across the cosmos, having achieved his highest level of fame outside the comics in the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, two of the highest grossing movies of all time feature him. Thanos is a major player who gets all of the attention in the world as soon as he shows up. Now, fun fact, did you know that in the comics, Thanos has a brother? Yes, he does. The other son of Eternals, Alars, and Suisan, Eros, was a carefree, fun-loving guy, up until a point where an attack from Thanos against their home planet left their mother dead. This made Eros grow up a little bit, and he later came to Earth and joined the Avengers under the name Star Fox. He would help them in a few battles before eventually leaving to pursue some space pirate named, I don't know, Nebula. Yeah, that's right. That Nebula. Family ties, am I right, Michael J. Fox? Anyways, that is Thanos. I actually got to meet Jim Starlin a few several years ago. Wonderful, wonderful guy with the greatest sense of humor 
Um, and I don't know how financially well off or better off he is with that whole Thanos becoming so big in the MCU. I have no idea if he got a piece of it or didn't. He didn't want to tell he, me. I hope he got a check. I hope he got I, a check. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying because he deserves it. All right. Well done. Right now, here are the details for One Punch Man. One Punch Man, an iconic figure in the world of anime and manga, was created by the artist known as One. This character first appeared in 2009 in a webcomic written and illustrated by One himself. Saitama, the protagonist known as One Punch Man, quickly captured the hearts of fans worldwide with his unique blend of overwhelming strength and comical indifference. The story of One Punch Man revolves around Saitama, a seemingly ordinary and unimpressive individual who, possess who possesses an extraordinary ability. He can defeat any opponent with a single punch. This unmatched power stems from a rigorous but seemingly simplistic training regimen consisting of 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats, and a 10-kilometer run every single day, along with a strict, no-air-conditioned rule to build mental resilience. Despite his formidable strength, Saitama faces a personal crisis, feeling a lack of thrill and challenge due to his overwhelming ability to defeat any foe effortlessly. And here's an interesting fact about One Punch Man. Did you know that One Punch Man is based off of another popular character? It's true. Although the running joke is that either Charlie Brown or even the bald-headed Caillou were the inspiration for the design of One Punch Man, the real character who served as inspiration for the character is Anpan Man. That's right, Anpan Man is a beloved character from Japan, a superhero with a red bean bread head. If you take a look at his outfit, you'll see the resemblance between him and One Punch Man. Both have capes, simple costumes, and bald heads. However, there is a, you know, a small difference between them. One Punch Man has crazy physical powers, whereas Anpan Man has the power of giving hungry people bits of his face to eat. That's a thing. And now you have the facts of both opponents. Brent, do you have any questions before we get started? Okay, before I actually start saying this, I could not hear you guys when you said the versions that you were going to use. So could you repeat that for me? Uh, it's, uh, comics, both comic. uh, comics and manga, right? That's right. I'm using the manga version of One Punch Man, who was played brilliantly, by the way, by Brent Pope in his one-man show, Off, Off, Off Broadway, One Punch Man. Nice. nice. But the manga version of that. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I don't think so. I'm <laughs> this is really interesting because, you know, of the names of one of the guys. I'm like, well, how is anybody going to combat that? And then also I know the the giant power of Thanos. So this is just like uh, an epic battle. So I'm ready to have this battle take place right before me. I love and it. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit confused, too, because you talked about all the characters that One Punch Man's image was based off of. I assumed it was going to be Mr. Sparkle from that Simpsons episode. I mean, that's a fair statement to make, but if you combined him and the powers of Charlie Brown and Caillou, truth, truth, you you may get someone who could overtake One Punch Man, but we'll see how that goes. All right, Ray Canis, hit us with your point number one. You know, I do wonder sometimes if One Punch Man put on the Charlie Brown shirt and tried to kick the football, would he? It's an eternal question, not going to be answered today. My point number one for Thanos, let's talk about his full levels of durability. He is an Eternal. He is the son of two other Eternals, very powerful characters, who have immortality. I can appreciate, and I watched a plenty of the One Punch Man anime to prepare myself for this, and my understanding is the anime and the manga, not particularly different, but obviously the manga has gone further in, I believe, four storylines where the anime at this moment only has two, and that's fine. It still tells you what you need to know, because I've watched One Punch Man fight a bunch of characters, and all the people that he fights 
they're not immortal. You know, they, they blow up, they die. These things happen. When Thanos gets hit real, real, real hard, he tends to shrug it off or nothing happens at all. No matter how powerful the person punching is. This is a guy who, uh, Captain Marvel, punched Thanos and broke his hand. It was the Marvel version, okay? Uh, Namor, yeah, he punched Thanos in the face. Uh, and he broke all the fingers in his hand as well. He got punched square on by Ronan the Accuser and also the Thing, a man made of rocks, and nothing happened to him. How many top-level, 100-ton strength characters need to punch Thanos before they realize this is a very bad idea? And that's just when he lets them connect with the punch. He got punched at by a guy named Blackheart. Now, Blackheart is a top-level demon personally created by Mephisto, you know, the devil, the lord of the underworld, whatever you would say. And Blackheart is a guy who solos like everybody in the Marvel Universe, well, at least for the most part. Well, he tried to throw a punch at Thanos, and Thanos caught it in midair and then just put him down. Just like that. I saw Thor hit Thanos in the side of the head with a hammer. At that point, he reached down to give him a second one. Thanos reaches up, grabs the hammer, and punches Thor down to the earth. If, the, if Mjolnir to the side of the head from Thor isn't enough to put you down, I don't know. One Punch Man might be up against something he's not ready for here. He's been dragged to the, the core of Ego the Living Planet. He's been teleported into the center of a star. He went through a black hole. He went through getting reality warped across dimensions. He got transferred into a comet. He's been turned into a skeleton and then regenerated very, very quickly. This is a guy who, even if he gets hit by One Punch Man, and for some reason something wild happens because One Punch Man drops him, Thanos is the kind of character that would regenerate from that hit well within the two minutes in a Who Would Win show and continue fighting. He is the one character who could actually provide the challenge that Saitama's been looking for, not to mention the fact that one thing I didn't see in so many of these One Punch Man villains is force fields. Thanos can throw up force fields that block cosmically powered characters like the Silver Surfer. So if One Punch Man tries to throw the punch, he's not going to land it because he's going to hit a force field first and maybe he breaks that force field. Maybe he does. But the point is he's not hitting Thanos. He's not delivering the shot he needs to and that could be a big deal. That's my point number one. You know, uh, there's so much wrong with what everything you just said there that uh, I just don't have the time or the uh, desire to take out some crayons oh, and kind of make everything look make sense to you. can't prove it. Here's the deal. I, yeah, again, I love Ray Cicadis' argument. It's it's wrong. You can't prove it. it here's the deal, Ray. Let's let the, the adults talk for a second. Uh, in terms of immortality, you know, think of Highlander. Highlander is immortal, but Ray, I think you're getting that confused with being invincible, right? Immortality doesn't mean you can't get hurt or that you can't die. It just means if everything you know, left your own devices, you're going to live forever. But there is something that can come along and like kill you, shoot you, stab, whatever it is. And that's the case for Thanos, too, although it does take a lot to do that, I will admit. On top of that, you know, you're talking about Blackheart, Ronan the Accuser, Namor the Thing. You know, all that kind of stuff. Those are awesome opponents in Marvel. They don't even crack the top five for Saitama. And by the way, fun fact, no one's been able to hurt Saitama. And he's taken on opponents way more powerful than Thanos in terms of the physicality and what have you. In terms of a force field, 
you know, maybe the force field's strong enough to, you know, just, you know, protect them. You know, it'll take one punch to destroy the force field. But he fought an opponent named Boros. More on this later. Boros has a lot in common with Thanos, a cosmic entity who, like, conquers planets and goes around and does all that kind of stuff. And Boros actually had his cosmic kind of style of armor on that took one punch from, uh, you know, One Punch Man and was completely obliterated. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like, okay, great. Now my body's there. So the force field might take one punch and then it's destroyed. And then Thanos might be next, but it's not really going to stop him a whole lot. Now, let me get to my point number one. Let's talk about some base powers of One Punch Man because this thing, this guy's absolutely insane. His super strength is called Unparalleled. It's limitless physical strength. He defeats his power, his, his, his opponents by one punch after all. His strength has been stated by numerous characters as something that defies reason. I don't even know how that makes sense. A single sneeze from One Punch Man dispersed all of the gases on Jupiter, which is kind of a big deal because Jupiter is a giant planet made of gas. You know, it kind of reminds me of, I think that's Golden Age Superman. He used to, like, put pull planets together, and he sneezes, and he destroys planets. That's how One Punch Man is right now, that ridiculous strength. Uh, he can easily flip entire cities like it was nothing, as if he's flipping a table. He shattered a massive mirror was coming to Earth with one punch while he's smiling with his lowest, you know, style uh, strength of punch. He's got super leaping ability, because of course he does. He leapt from the moon to Earth in seconds, and that caused a massive shockwave on the moon's surface. Speaking Speaking of which, he's got the power of shockwave generation. He can generate massive shockwaves from his punches. One time in a sparring match with his apprentice, a really cool cyborg named Genos, he was like kind of just throwing punches very slow, very light, and the shockwave destroyed an entire cliffside, you know, from a distance. He didn't even touch it, just the shockwave of a punch in air shot that shockwave, destroyed the side of a mountain. That's fun. He's got unparalleled speed and reflexes. He's got incredible super speed. Again, he traveled to the Earth from the moon in less than two seconds, and that's just under light speed. Remember, he wasn't even trying to go that fast. That's just his regular speed. He's actually able to move much faster than the speed of light. He's so fast, he easily creates after images. He's one of the few people who can actually have a mirror behind his head and turn around and look in the mirror and turn back around and see what the back of his head looks like. Evidently, that's a scientific proof or fact of that he can actually move faster than light. He's got that supernatural dexterity and agility. All I can say is the way he moves in the air and miss, makes people miss him and dodges punches and all that kind of stuff. If he even wants to dodge punches, if he's in the mood, put Spider-Man to shame. That's a fact. He's got superhuman stamina and endurance. Look, he's never going to get tired as in ever. His stamina, his endurance, they're limitless. He's got that superhuman eyesight. He can see from great distances and he can see in the dark because why not? Now let's talk about his invulnerability. He's impervious to damage. Again, no character in the manga series is even able to harm him physically. Yeah, that's right. Throughout his entire series, no one can damage or harm him. He can survive in space indefinitely. Doesn't need to breathe anymore because that, you know, why? He's got internal durability. That just means his internal organs, his inside places are just as durable as his outside places. Don't know how that's going to come in the fight, but, you know, why not? Let's just mention it. He's not affected by extreme heat or cold, flames, ice attacks, even submerging himself in lava. Not a problem. He just does it. He's so durable that multiple nuclear explosions that he's in do nothing to him. He's also got psychic resistance. He can resist, resist psychic powers of all kinds. There's a character named Tatsumaki, who's uh, the most powerful psychic on Earth by far. She's got an insane 
level of telepathic and telekinetic attacks, she found she couldn't do anything to One Punch Man's mind because his willpower was so strong that it blocked her completely. And when she tried to levitate One Punch Man telekinetically, he rose up in the air maybe a foot, and then he willed himself to be too heavy for her to lift and just came right back down, and she couldn't do anything. Keep in mind, she could lift a kaiju Godzilla-sized monster, keep them in the air, and destroy them with psychic attacks, no problem. But against One Punch Man, she couldn't even lift him up in the air because he willed himself to be too heavy to lift or impossible lift, whatever you want to call it. Oh, by the way, he can also fly at light speed. Thought I'd mention that. Look, we haven't even gotten to the good parts of One Punch Man yet, and Thanos is already in big trouble. All of that is my point number one. Now, you're saying that One Punch Man can fly, but through all of the research that I've done, all he does is jump in the air and move very, very fast towards a target. Nothing that I found in any of my research indicated that One Punch Man can fly at all, which is, in fact, so it's not true. So Thanos, however, can use the space throne to fly, which is a very common piece of equipment that he has. And also in the comic books, he himself has flown on several occasions. You wouldn't know that from the MCU by itself. But uh, one of the major advantages that Thanos has in this battle is Thanos is somebody who can fly and One Punch Man simply is not. Not to mention that, but uh, the sword that Thanos carries has been known to cut through vibranium. It's also been able to block superpowered weapons such as Mjolnir. I know most blades shatter when they hit the skin of One Punch Man. I would make the argument that when it comes time to hurt, Thanos is the guy that can get it done. You know, unfortunately, I'm not saying you didn't do enough research on this, but in the manga, in the later series, he absolutely, in present day series, he actually can fly and you would see him flying through space and through the atmosphere. Are you At sure first, he, he wasn't cannot... just jumping very, very, are you sure you did the research correctly, James Gavsey? When you fly to Jupiter through space, I'm pretty sure you're not just jumping in different directions all the time because there's nothing to jump off of in space to change direction. That's the thing. All right. We have heard one point from both Ray and myself. Let's see what the judge has to say. Brent Pope, executive VP of the Who Would Win show. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Great first uh, point from both of you. I think uh, you covered a lot of a lot of ground. I, you know, I do know, I'll, I'll, I guess, probably a, a little bit more about Thanos than I do One Punch Man on the surface. Ray, you talked a lot about his durability and how he's, you know, immortal and tanking Mjolnir is uh, it's an impressive feat. I'll say that. And being able to cut vibranium with your sword is also very impressive. Um, you, I think you gave us uh, some good examples there. Ian, and also his durability, you know, how he can, he's been thrown into basically the, the middle of a star, a black hole, and, you know, he's still, he's still around. Whereas One Punch Man, you know, we got a guy who, James says, his strength defies reason. How do you def- how do you how do you how do you defend against that? You know, and a guy uh, look it, 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 to me, it doesn't matter if you can jump from the moon to the earth in two seconds. I don't care if you call it flying or jumping; it doesn't really oh, matter. Brent Pope, can- I need to win semantical arguments right and left to pull <laughs> this off. So how dare you, Brent Pope? I mean, let's not get into the whole thing about how Superman flies, but like doesn't flap his arms or anything. He just holds his you know it's why it's, doesn't he flap his arms that's a great question that what i had not, you know not flying he's just jumping from the ground as far in a as deleted scene uh in a deleted scene in man of steel the very first movie with henry cavill as superman there is a part where he is flapping his arms how dare you yeah how dare so, you bring up yeah, deleted scenes wow wow well i guess i guess uh <laughs> he can't fly them he's not flapping his arms yeah I, you know what i'm gonna say just because 
There's a couple things that Ray mentioned that I hold in such high esteem, the vibranium and Mjolnir. I'm going to say that Thanos has just a, a skosh of an advantage right now, but obviously James, I think, is going to come with some heavy hitting stuff later, and that may change what I think right now. But just from what I've heard, you know, and I know Thanos a little bit more, I'm going to say Thanos is a little bit ahead right now, but obviously that can change. That can change, and it will change, but let's see what's going to happen. Ray, hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Thanos. This is going to be a pretty simple, straightforward point. I've already talked about how he has the internal ability to take the one punch from One Punch Man if it even lands at all with the force fields. And I want to talk now about how he can absolutely split One Punch Man down the middle and drop him without question based on some of the other godlike and superpowered characters that Thanos has fought in his own universe. Because at the end of the day, I would argue that seeing the power sets that the that the villains of the One Punch Man world have, or the heroes for that matter, they they're not as impressive. They don't get they don't have the wide litany of powers, generally speaking, that you see across the pantheon of Marvel characters. So I would argue that One Punch Man's world that he inhabits is actually lower level by far to the Marvel world, despite the massive destruction that these monsters do in fact cause. That's just a lot of physical damage. You're not seeing the wide breadth of attacks, and I'll let James counter that to his dying breath, but that's fine. The pure power that Thanos exhibits in this more powerful universe, this is a guy who fought Drax the Destroyer and beat him by destroying the planet that they were both on at the same time. This is a guy who didn't one-punch Adam Warlock, you know, the savior lord of the Marvel Universe, but he beat him in two punches, okay? It's not one... He's two-punch man, okay? That's enough to put down Adam Warlock, a bastion of power we finally got to see in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, That was just a snippet of how powerful Adam Warlock is. Go back and listen to that episode of Who Would Win. He's KO'd the Super Skrull, who has the combined powers of basically every hero of all time. Punched him right out. Hulk, you know this guy, the Incredible Hulk, the massively powerful, regenerative, 100-tonner, most strong character in all of Marvel Comics, charged Thanos, and Thanos just punched him and sent him flying through the air easily took him out characters that Thanos has defeated basically in one punch himself. We got Iron Man, Captain Marvel, the thing I said before, silver surfer, beta Ray bill and Ronan, the accuser, not to mention Namor, uh, Namor, whichever you like the war machine. And then of course I mentioned Drax, the destroyer. These are people who have been effortlessly dispatched by Thanos. And I'm sorry, that is a powerful list of characters that One Punch Man simply cannot match in his own universe. Uh, Saitama doesn't throw energy blasts. If he did, Thanos would easily be able to tank them or just dodge out of the way. And he does use telepathy. I know that uh, Saitama does have a certain defense against it, but I have to mention it because he does take people over. He KOs them uh, telepathically, can leave them in a catatonic state. Sure. But also, he can teleport. I haven't seen, again, a ton of teleportation, at least in the TV series of One Punch Man that is based around it. These are characters who tend to just stand in one place, and then One Punch Man jumps out, often, you know, sucker punches them, and takes them out with one punch. That's great. But Thanos is a character who, if he sees you coming, can just teleport away. He can also create portals. Saitama's very, very fast. 
And, you know, he I'll say it again. You know, he doesn't change direction very well when he's going at his opponent. You don't see him dodge and then punch. He's usually just coming in for the punch. So Thanos, who can create portals to wherever the heck he needs to, if he sees Saitama rushing him, just throws up a portal and teleports away. Saitama goes to the portal, shut it down. Thanos wins this match, doesn't he? It's amazing to use the bull charge, one shot, one punch attack of Saitama against him. But that's exactly what Thanos has this skill set to do. Again, not seen in the One Punch Man universe, but easily seen in the more powerful Marvel universe. And that's my point number two. Uh, again, you're adorable when you're trying this hard race to Canis. Here's the thing. Um, there's different levels of opponents that are classified within the One Punch Man world or universe, if you want to call it. And what's been there, there's actually a, a sixth level that goes beyond the two last levels are, uh, you know, opponents who can destroy or threats that can destroy entire cities and like countries. Then there's planetary. And then the one above that, that I'll get to later, you know, is a galactic kind of universal threat. Now, in terms of all those power levels, again, the power levels do differ between what happens in Marvel and One Punch Man's universe, because One Punch Man has actually taken on increasingly more and more insanely powerful opponents. And the result is the same one, maybe a few punches at most, and he takes them out. Uh, these opponents would fit in with the higher tier of Marvel opponents, and then it goes way beyond that. Again, I'll talk about that in my point number three. Uh, and speaking of opponents that do one punch, Thanos has actually been destroyed and killed by one punch on two separate occasions. Drax the Destroyer actually punched a hole through Thanos and killed him with one punch, as did another character, which I'll mention in my point number three as well. Thanos' telepathy, not his strongest point. I'm not saying it's weak, but it's definitely nowhere near what uh, Saitama you know, has encountered before. You know, that's about it. Marvel's got some insane power levels, but the One Punch Man universe is kind of a lot more like DC universe, where the, the levels are just insanely high, almost comically high, and therefore you get people like One Punch Man. Let me get to my point number two. For my point number two, let's talk about One Punch Man's fighting style and the big wins against Thanos-level opponents, just to make things really clear. Now, in terms of fighting style, there's really been no one in the entire series that can come close to keeping up in a fight with One Punch Man, never mind outfighting him. His combat style is best described as simple and direct. It's extremely straightforward, involves basic punches and occasional dodges. There's no complexity or name martial art techniques involved, except for the ones he's come up with, which are awesome. You know, his primary method of combat delivers a single, overwhelmingly powerful punch, and his opponent dies instantly. Fun fact, he generally exerts minimal effort in combat because... And he often appears like he's disinterested or bored, but he's actually just kind of thinking. Uh, he's also shown the ability to effortlessly dodge attacks from his opponents, even those who are flash level fast, if they are larger than, or if they are larger, whatever it is. Fun fact, by the way, he does have super speed. Again, can move at light speed and has that flash level speed. That is faster than what Thanos can move. Now, with that said, his fighting style per se, his actual names are awesome. He's got the devastating normal punch. And that's, that's his uh, most common attack. Throws one punch his opponent, enough force. Defeats him instantly. Something he's known for. He's hit people that are so powerful that have regeneration and healing factors like Thanos. And hits him so far, oh, hard, the healing factor doesn't work because the opponent is vaporized. As in completely vaporized without one punch. He's got another devastating attack called consecutive normal punches. Which is a super speed, rapid fire, almost like uh, infinite mass punch style barrage of normal punches. 
you know, a uh, normal punch can take out a Godzilla-sized opponent, even a god, an absolute god with absolute ease. He's got the serious, serious punch. This one's just a little bit more powerful. It takes out insanely powerful opponents who can destroy planets. And, you know, uh, one time he hit someone with a serious punch. It actually parted clouds on Earth on a global scale. He's got a serious sideway jumps. It's not a, pu- a punch, per se, but he can just move side to side and create high-speed shockwaves that send people flying away because he's just having fun in the fight. He's got what's called the serious table flip. This is another variation I described before whereas if you don't, you know, you're just flipping a table, you know, he takes up city blocks, countrysides, whatever it is and just flips them upside down super easily the same way that Race to Canis did when he got thrown out of Burger King funny scene. That's what Saitama can do. Now, he, he let's talk about the wins he's got. He beat a character called Marugori also known as Beefcake. This is literally a Godzilla-sized human bodybuilder and he defeated Beefcake by one punch to his face. He jumped all the way up, punched him once in the face, and that caved in his entire face, and this thing just falls to the ground and dies. Now, in terms of Thanos-level opponents that he's beaten, he built the, he beat this creature called the Elder Centipede. This is a massive, insanely durable centipede monster capable of causing widespread destruction. It's actually one of the largest, maybe the largest, most powerful monster in the entire One Punch Man series. And this is a series that's known for its large and powerful monsters. It's at least four times the size of Godzilla in terms of height and overall mass. Yeah, it's that big. And the way One Punch Man beat it was, again, with one normal punch to the face area, and it completely got destroyed. He beat a character called Sea King. This is, uh, you know, the equivalent of Neptune or Poseidon, that godlike character of the sea. He's gotten super insane superhuman strength, could instantly heal, but the Sea King could. And this is the character that One Punch Man just punched once, and the healing factor was not a factor because he was vaporized instantly, couldn't regenerate from that, he's done. And then on top of that, there's a character named Boros. Now, I love Boros. He's known as the dominator of the universe. This is an insanely powerful galactic overlord who's in his weakest form could easily destroy planets without a problem. He could launch destructive energy blasts, could move at flash level speed, had a Super Saiyan upgrade form known as Meteor Burst, which made him even more powerful. In terms of overall powers and abilities, Boros was so similar to Thanos, by the way, it was crazy. I still have a theory that the whole Boros storyline from 2015 in the anime series played a big part in creating Thanos' MCU attack on Earth in Avengers Endgame. Just check check it out. Trust me, they're way too similar. And One Punch Man defeated Boros with a signature serious punch, countering Boros's collapsing star-roaring cannon attack was designed, designed to destroy the world. That was one of the rare occasions, by the way, where One Punch, Punch Man used a fraction more of his power than his usual casual effort. And in the end, Boros, with his armor that was already destroyed with one punch, now his body destroyed as well, Boros accused jokingly, but in a serious way, of course, One Punch Man of holding back. And One Punch Man said, yeah, I just didn't want to make you feel bad during the fight. You did really well for what you were, but yeah, I was holding back. Things are not looking good for Thanos because all of that is my point number two. Okay, so One Punch Man, I mean, let's face it, it's kind of a joke anime. Uh, They created a character who's meant to be overpowered and kind of exploring the existential dread that comes with that level of power in a world. It's honestly a a fascinating uh, story. It's it's one of the most refreshing things in anime I think I've seen over the last two decades, to be honest with you, because it it asks questions and, 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 and takes chances in ways you just don't normally see. 
But the thing you see about that universe, you talked about the Elder Centipede, you talked about Boros, the thing about all of these enemies and villains in the One Punch Man universe, if you look at their power sets, you look at their powers and abilities section in any of the wikis of One Punch Man, they're all, oh, they're very strong, they're very durable, they're very fast. They can have a healing factor. It's all very baseline hero kind of stuff. They're not attacking. Some some of them have energy blasts. Some of them have a psychic blast. But that's about it. Every single one of these villains, no matter what they look like, no matter what they fight like, all has the same template. So One Punch Man is essentially beating the same kind of enemy over and over and over again, not the wide breadth of differently powered characters that can do all manner of different things. Like, you know, allegedly Iceman could make the water in your inner ear, like make your head explode or whatever. That's not a thing that characters do in the One Punch Man world. They're very one dimensional types of villains and monsters. So of course, One Punch Man defeats them all. Nobody attacks him in creative ways on that show. The other one thing I want to say, the categories you mentioned are kind of a joke, part of a joke on top of a joke. Uh, King, who is a bad fighter, who's just intimidating to look at and has no desire to fight, and he just stares down people and hopes they go away. He's considered an S-tier top tier fighter and one punch man finished i believe as a c tier eventually earned his way up to a b tier hero because they don't know what they're doing as far as this goes so that rating system is a joke interesting points by the way the 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 whole king character is a joke and that's why it's so much fun uh, especially when one punch man starts figuring him out all for right for the record for the record james king is my favorite character on the entire show he's wonderful but it's an example of how maybe that tier system isn't what it's cracked up to be he's like the race to canis of One Punch Man. I absolutely agree 100%. Now, more importantly, we are at the turning point. Brent, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? All right. I do think Ray made a really good point in talking about how One Punch Man, he's, and James, you even said yourself, he's pretty basic in his attacks, you know? And I don't know, and if you if you did... You can remind me or you can tell me your next point, but like the fact that Thanos can teleport and kind of move around is more than what a lot of One Punch Man's foes tend to do. Doesn't mean he can't combat it. In fact, he probably can, James. You can you can enlighten me. But that is a good point for Thanos and thinks makes me think that he has a, <laughs> a puncher's chance uh, in this battle. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I love that one punch man beat a guy named Beefcake. Uh, that's <laughs> the name. That's worth something. Him. They might need they they might need to work on their names. Although that maybe that's their thing is just being hilarious. I still think it's really too close to call. Any one 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 uh, you know shift in my opinion could really change this battle. It's too close to call. Uh, I'm gonna say it's pretty even right now. I thought that James made some good points in point number two, but but Ray was still strong. So yeah, pretty even. All right, I like where this is going because this would make an insane. I don't. I actually don't think this would be good. This particular fight as live action, but I think it would be an amazing anime one hour or you know film whatever it is adaptation. All right, Ray, it's down to the final thing. Let's go with it. Let's see what you can do. Hit us with your point number three. Point 
number three for Thanos, I have to talk about the Infinity Gauntlet because this is his standard piece of equipment. I know he doesn't have it all of the time, but all of the best Thanos stories are when he gets it, when he uh, re reassembles it, when he feels it's being reassembled somewhere else in the universe and goes and gets it. Let's face facts. He is completely attached to the Infinity Gauntlet in every possible way, and I don't think anybody would want to see a fight between these two if he didn't have it. So I'm going to go because let's talk once more about the six infinity stones. I've talked about these a lot, but it mentions it's worth mentioning time. The time stone can reverse or freeze time itself. Has uh, Saitama ever dealt with somebody who could freeze time and then walk up and just wail on him or put him, you know, deep in the bottom of the ocean or launch him into space and then wait two minutes? If you freeze time, does two minutes pass and that counts as an incapacitation for a who would win victory? I would make the argument that yes. It definitely does. I think that that's the type of attack that Saitama's never seen before and will not have an answer for. As far as the Space Stone goes, that's what we're talking about with the portal creation. If we can take him, One Punch Man, and put him in another dimension, we can put him so far across the universe that he cannot get back to this fight, nor, frankly, might he want to, although I bet he would. He, he'd see that as a challenge, at least. The Space Stone has been used to pull Silver, Silver Surfer, a cosmic-level being, into one... And also, I mentioned before the teleportation. Also, Thanos can create clones of himself. And so how many times does Saitama need to punch a clone of Thanos while he's making more clones and portals and everything else and dropping planets on his head? He's going to need a lot of one punches to take down an army of cloned Thanoses. And let's talk about the reality stone. Of course, the snap. He can alter reality. Reality warping on Saitama is something I absolutely think could be real. He turned Thor into glass. He turned uh, Wolverine's bones into rubber. This is a guy who I saw, he turned Silver Surfer into some sort of just like weird ghostly apparition so he wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. It was crazy. And this is just it. It's basically Toon Force. And if you're able to warp reality like you were a Roger Rabbit or something, I think that you could be in a very, very good position, again, against a character, especially a joke character like One Punch Man. The Mind Stone controls and confuses minds. I've said that before. I don't know that that's going to work here. I talked about your mental powers and the ability to defend against it. I do believe that he would be able to withstand the Mind Stone. But the Power Stone... This is a guy who just, he, again, he destroys planets. He destroys stars. He can often do it with one punch himself. He's so powerful that Galactus thought like, well, I don't want to mess with that guy. Mistress Death, who he's always trying to impress. That's why he snapped in the comics, right? She said, oh, this guy is way superior to myself. And I am the literal god of death. What are we talking about here? He was able to sink the entire west coast of the United States. He was able to destroy all of Asgard. He went into the hell dimension and beat Mephisto in the hell dimension. That's crazy. And, of course, he shattered Captain America's shield. You're able to snap, uh, whether it's vibranium, whether it's uh, adamantium. If you're able to snap through it, you, you got you got a chance against a guy like One Punch Man. And the soul, the soul attacks, the soul stone. He can attack people on a spiritual level. He can literally steal your soul out of your body. And that's a pretty big deal as well. I might think he has a defense against that too. I'm going to let James counter it though, because definitely that's something worth uh, talking about. But the big way that Thanos has a big up in this battle is One Punch Man is arrogant. And I don't mean it arrogant and sort of a ha-ha. 
It's more of arrogance and a, boy, I hope you can hit me hard enough that I'll notice it. Because nobody else I've ever fought has been able to. One Punch Man in a battle against a character like Thanos, I do believe he would see Thanos and think, I hope he's a challenge. I do think I got that right in the story at the beginning. One Punch Man would let Thanos attack him with everything that he's got before even attempting to throw that first punch to see if a challenge is about to happen. And if you let Thanos... If you have the type of arrogance, not confidence, arrogance, that you think that Thanos can't really hurt you, he's going to really hurt you. And he's going to put you in a bad place, potentially on the other side of the universe, before you even know what hits you. If you sit there and let Thanos do what he wants, what he wants will do you in. And that's my point number three. All right, here comes the pushback. Now, first of all, the best Thanos stories are not actually associated with the Infinity Stones. That's just a personal thing. This is a great character who's got a lot of history. The, the If you think he's, oh, man, if he's always with the Infinity Stones, that's who Thanos... You're missing out on a lot of what the character has to offer, just putting that out there. Now, when we talk about the Thanos clones, fun fact, Thanos clones actually fight Thanos. They're just like Thanos. They don't want to be controlled by Thanos. They're not at his beck and call. He creates clones. They're actually probably going to churn on Thanos and start fighting him to be, you know, claim the title of Thanos. That's uh, a fun thing that happens in the storylines. Now, this is a big factor. I've been holding this back for years on the Hood Win Show. Uh, the Infinity Stones actually don't work when they're used with it in conjunction to different non-Marvel universe. That's a fact. Uh, there's a crossover event a while ago, and uh, the Avengers are kind of taking on different uh, DC Comics villains. The Infinity Gauntlet's there with all of the stones. Darkseid picks it up. Hawkeye looks at him and says, oh no, why am I even more scared with this guy wearing it than I am if Thanos had it? And Darkseid looks at it and says, yeah, there's no power here whatsoever. It's worthless because there was nothing there. It doesn't work in a crossover moment multi-universal type of thing. In a pure Marvel sense, in Marvel the multiverse, yes, it works, I'm pretty sure. But when you take it over to a different universe, it's a known fact, it doesn't work anymore. So with all that being said, let me get to my point number three. And for this one, let's talk about the biggest win for One Punch Man, some additional powers, and Thanos' biggest weakness. So in the manga series for One Punch Man, he faces off against an opponent named Garu. And this is the only opponent so far who's actually made One Punch Man put some visible effort into defeating opponent, which he did very easily. And what was so special about Garu, you might ask? Well, his already crazy powers he had and abilities were enhanced by God. I'm not talking about like Neptune, the god of the sea. I'm saying the ultimate god. In Marvel, it's the one above all, God actually said to Garu, I'm going to increase your powers so that, you know, let's see what happens. So Garu, Garu's powers were enhanced to God level. God said, I'm going to give you powers, you know, to levels of my own, and let's see you take on One Punch Man in this fight. It was crazy. It's weird. I told you it goes to weird places. And as a result, you know, with One Punch Man and Garu, they had an epic battle. This is where One Punch Man's powers, oddly enough, started to grow. In fact, his power began to soar exponentially due to how much fun he was having during the fight. Evidently, the more fun he has during the fight with the more powerful opponents, the more his powers grow, and actually he acquires new powers. And that's when he realized his power potential doesn't seem to have a limit, which means he can literally become more powerful than God in his universe. I know some of you might be saying this is horrible what you're saying, but this is just what happens in the One Punch Man manga series. Now, how did he beat this God-level character? Well, the fight ends with One Punch Man using a what he calls a serious series of head 
headbutts and a final slap rather than a punch to defeat God-level Garu. Why a slap? Because he felt sorry for Garu and wanted to knock some sense into him as opposed to destroy him outright. So due to this fight with a little God-level tiered universe-destroying level being, One Punch Man found he had some new powers, such as supernatural accuracy, where he has perfect precision since whenever he focuses on a target, even for a second, he easily hits it no matter how far away it is. This is crazy. If he takes, I don't know, an asteroid and something's on the different side of the solar system, he'll whip that asteroid at that target and hit it no problem. He's got the power of God-level mimicry where he can learn any fighting style, power, supernatural techniques just by observing them. According to Garu himself, One Punch Man is capable of replicating all of his God-level techniques and then improving them even further by witnessing them once. This has been described as logic-defying as he was even able to copy Garu's ability to travel through time or to stop time or to manipulate time. One Punch Man can now do that so he can travel through time. He can also teleport and move uh, interdimensional crate and move through interdimensional portals to go over wherever he wants. He can travel back and forth from different dimensions. Here's a fun one. He can punch ghosts and anything that is non-physical and can even punch things that are a different spiritual realm. Anything from a spiritual realm that now tries to attack him, he is impervious to it hundred percent. He can punch a hole into another dimension because why not? And all of his other physical abilities, you know, his strength, his speed, his durability. Oh yeah. Those also increase insanely to dramatic levels beyond what he already had. So to say that One Punch Man is one of the most physically powerful beings in all of fiction is not an exaggeration, which is exactly why he'll beat Thanos. Why? Because One Punch Man represents the one type of opponent Thanos is afraid to take on. See, This is another fun fact. Thanos is actually afraid of taking on the Hulk in a fight. And that's not, I mean, this is crazy to think of because he's defeated some powerful opponents, but he's afraid to take on the Hulk. When fighting a being known as the champion, that's that super powerful being from the galaxy who comes to Earth and says, I want to fight the toughest people here. And he does that every once in a while. So Thanos is fighting him and he's got the Infinity Gauntlet. And, you know, he's fighting the champion who has enough power to destroy a planet easily. And Thanos said, this is a quote, in many ways, I assume this is what it would be like battling the Terran behemoth Hulk, a conflict I've sought to avoid over the years. See, Thanos has been defeated in quite a few ways, but the way he hates to be defeated the most is by a physical beatdown because as a tactician, he knows that physical encounters put him at the most risk of all because that's how he's been destroyed before. Remember, it took only one punch for Drax the Destroyer to kill Thanos by punching him through his chest. One punch. And God Emperor Doom easily ripped Thanos' heart out of his chest. And now, who has God-level power and is most likely the most physically powerful being ever that Thanos would have ever encountered by far and just easily defeated God-level Garu with a series of headbutts and a bitch slap? That's right. It's One Punch Man. In the end, Thanos is, you know, may take one, maybe two, possibly three punches. But in the end, even with the Infinity Gauntlet, which won't be a factor in this fight, but let's say it is, he doesn't have anything that One Punch Man can't already overcome and duplicate and be much powerful at. That is my point number three. Oh, please. Now you say, oh, the Infinity Gauntlet doesn't work. Oh, for the sake of a who would win battle. James, I got bad news for you. Doing 100 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, and running 10K every day doesn't give you the power to destroy planets with one punch either. That also, James, doesn't work in quote-unquote real life. But give me a break. We're talking about characters at the height of their powers. Nobody wants to listen to the who would win show and hear a deep 
overpowered version of X, Y, or Z. Oh, so, you know, Superman once had kryptonite near him, so he wasn't that strong. Isn't that the version that we should be using, James? No, that's a very silly argument, and you should feel ashamed for trying to put it on the table. If this god in the One Punch Man universe is so powerful, why doesn't he just depower One Punch Man with his godlike abilities and then smite him? Obviously, this god of sorts isn't exactly what he's cracked up to be at the end of the day, as Hulk himself would say, puny god. Look, I'll say it one more time. The threats in the One Punch Man world are not the same as the Marvel Universe. They are all one-dimensional characters that look crazy and big and powerful and destroy cities, but at the end of the day, they're just big, strong, tough, and fast Nothing like Thanos deals with before breakfast. No force fields, no immortality. This is over. Thanos has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has won the unwinnable battle. I'll await the decision. Let's go to what our judge has to say, because, Brett, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself, and it's time for you to make what will probably be a very difficult or what a decision. But before we get to what Brent has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we have a very special patron. We haven't heard from him in a while. It's Forbidden Mob, ladies and gentlemen. Forbidden Mob is back on the hot seat. All right. You know what? When you have an opponent that you need for someone who's as forbidden as Forbidden Mob. Let's give him an opponent that I think should be forbidden. Forbidden Mob, congratulations, you're fighting Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Now, that's a very, very tall order against the Forbidden Mob because they're going to match up on an ice planet, I believe, possibly with an ice storm happening. We'll call it Hoth. And Kylo Ren is going to be there, and Forbidden Mob is going to be having a lot of trouble. He's going to be difficult with the elements. So right out the gate, Kylo Ren is going to have a strong advantage. He's going to use his force powers because this is what Kylo Ren does. He's going to stop Forbidden Mob in his tracks. He's going to brandish his lightsaber, and he's going to start walking towards him with one hand out, getting ready to cut him down. But as he gets to about... 15 feet away from Forbidden Mob, you can't forget Forbidden Mob's ability of multiplicity and that he can create other versions of himself like Multiple Man. Now, how does that affect this? He might be frozen in place, but all of his various Forbidden Mob clones will not be. So Kylo Ren will get close. He's going to take the shot and he will, in fact, strike down Forbidden Mob in the moment. But those clones will become more powerful than you could ever imagine. They're going to jump and gang pile on top of uh, Kylo Ren, who's going to be able to shake some of them off. He's going to slice several of them in half. That's fine. But Forbidden Mob, it's just like Jay Leno said with the Doritos commercials in the 90s. Kylo Ren, you can crunch all you want. I'll make more. And he's eventually going to incapacitate Kylo Ren for two minutes and bring him down. Congratulations, Forbidden Mob. Put another notch on that belt. I love it. Forbidden Mob, you know, you just gave me an early Christmas present. I love seeing Kylo Ren get absolutely wrecked. He's horrible. He's a horrible character for Star Wars. Ben Solo, by the way, is amazing. I'm just going to put that out there. Congratulations, Forbidden Mob. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the decision. Brent, it's time for your judgment. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Thanos and One Punch. Man. All right. Well, 
well argued both you guys great battle Two. i mean I, I gotta be honest like sometimes it's really tough when you have these these two characters that are so overpowered and the first thing i want to say is uh, and i apologize james i think that first off ray i'm gonna side with ray this battle is no fun without the infinity stones and I think with, I even think uh, I can justify it by saying maybe with his skill set that defies explanation, as you said, James, Saitama simply senses what the stones could be and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to allow these stones to work because I'm not afraid of these stones. And with the stones, as 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 we've said, Saitama, One Punch Man, it is a little cocky. And he's like, all right, let's see what you can do with these stones. And I think Thanos you know, throws him in another dimension. He immediately comes back, as we've seen him do. I think he uh, sp- d- d- knocks him down to molecules. And he immediately comes back into that. And uh, Thanos is getting a little, a little frustrated and comes up and like hits hits uh, Saitama w- w- with his sword. And you know, uh, he, he kind of shrugs it off, but he, he says, "Oh, that was that was a cute sword." Um, and then. Um, Let's see what other what other what other what other stones do we have? Power stone. He knocks him uh, five universes away. He comes back immediately, and then in a ironic uh, uh, thing that nobody would have seen, One Punch Man punches Thanos and vaporizes him, <laughs> except for the Infinity Gauntlet, which he then picks up and puts on, and then he uses that to bring Thanos back to be his manservant. And commands him to make leftover turkey pot pie. Make me leftover turkey pot pie, Thanos. It was just Thanksgiving and you made me miss it. One Punch Man is the winner here. I'm sorry. It's all in the name. One Punch Man. It's it's just like literally there. I, I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Christmas came early for this guy right here because... You know, you, you I didn't think Ray was actually going to try this to bring in the Infinity Stones. Sure enough, he did. I tried my best to bring in my geek knowledge and say they wouldn't work. That wasn't allowed. But I knew Brent Pope would see the overall insane power of the upgrade One Punch Man got. If there's anyone who can overcome Thanos with the Infinity Stones, it is One Punch Man. Justice has been served. I am super happy. Race to Canis. How do you feel losing a pretty close battle? This is a surprise, but also not a surprise at the same time. You're dealing with a character who, as I've said all along, and this is a well-known thing, he is a joke character. This is a character who should not be. His backstory is, is embarrassing. It's even called out on the show itself. That's the dumbest backstory I've ever heard in my entire life. You should not be. And yet on the show, he is. And I I hope for the sake of the show that he never stops being who he is. There are many ways that you could write One Punch Man stories to have him lose even when he wins with one punch in every single fight. I don't think the answer at the end of the day is to ever depower one punch man. I think it's to cost him in his personal life literally everything as he goes about his journey and wreck him emotionally. And I think that's a fun way to do it. Now, when you talk about being wrecked emotionally, you are talking about me in this battle. I gave you several top shelf. I would even say S tier arguments for why Thanos would be the only person to pull off this victory. And I sure wish Brent Pope 
had been listening to me when I talked instead of spending the entirety of my points fantasizing about turkey pot pie. Shameful. <laughs> uh, turkey pot pie is delicious though, Ray. You have to admit that. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say this though. I think that I'm not sure, but like, I, I think this is especially what would happen in a first encounter. Now, once Thanos, because he would have no idea, they would, neither one would know about each other. But once Thanos would see like, oh, he vaporized me with one punch. I think then maybe he can come up with a plan a little more urgent. And maybe, maybe in a subsequent battles, he could do something with one punch man. But I think in a first time battle, this is definitely how it would go. I'll tell you what, if there's anyone who could take out One Punch Man in a second encounter, you know, with prep time and previous knowledge and with using the Infinity Stones, Thanos is the one with the best chance to do it. I'm not going to disagree, although I don't know if he could do it, absolutely, but he definitely would have a chance. All right, listen, Brent Pope, Executive VP of the Who Would Win Show. Yet again, you come on the show, bless us with your presence, and just render an amazing judgment Please come back on the show. Please don't fire rain myself. Until that time, please tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. You can find me online, uh, Brentfist, uh, brentpope.com. Uh, my show, Brentfist with Brent Pope, where uh, Hollywood meets great food. We're going to start having new episodes again now that the strike is over. So go there. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Scoops Pope. And yeah, that's that's kind of it right now. I, um, uh, you know what? I gotta say this. My show that I was on, the the Ray cannot find me on with love, got canceled the other day. So everybody, uh. go watch at least season two of With Love. It's only six episodes. It's a nice, it's a delightful rom com. And uh, maybe someone else will maybe pick up the show. It's 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 a really good show. That'll make me feel a little bit better about the show being canceled. Right now, I'm pretty upset about it. Anyway, that's where you can find me online. Again, I just, I don't know why. I think if you appeared on a zombie apocalypse show, maybe a spinoff of The Walking Dead where you were one of the you know main heroes of the show, I don't know why, just something's telling me you would be fantastic in that role. Just putting that out there. All right, Race to Canis. This was another fun fight. We were super close down the wire, but somehow I knew I'd get the win, but you did a great job repping Thanos. Tell everyone, the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, where they can find you online. Well, I'll just open by saying, of course, you can find me on the one and only social media platform, Threads, at Almighty Ray 316 Now, as I think about this battle, I think about the One Punch Man show, and I can see why we have been hesitant to try to use him on the show, since his literal entire essence is that he cannot be defeated in battle and effortlessly wins every battle. That makes for a very difficult episode of the Who Would Win show. And if I've convinced just one person out there that Thanos is the person who could bring him down, I will say, that's not enough. I need every single person so convinced in what I have said today because I'm right. Hashtag Ray is right. And I need every single one of you to flood the social media for the Who Would Win show on Instagram, the Facebook page. I think that's the only place that we do social media for Who Would Win. Let's get on threads, ladies and gentlemen, as it is the only quick-hitting platform worth discussing. I want everybody to reach out to family members and flood the pages saying hashtag Ray was robbed because look deep within your heart and you know it to be true. Yes. Threads is a thing. Also, you know, you're, you're the fa- it's a Facebook group 
not necessarily the Facebook page for the Who Would Win show that's really kind of blown up. and all has of, a lot of them. Fun. All of them's great. I'm making a buffet of social media. It's fun. You can find me on X, a.k.a. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I don't know what that by, is. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun platform. By typing in at James Gabs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Cicadis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. Guttingthesacredcow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.